Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about Exonics therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control. It gave me my life back. Exonics therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We are kicking off a new week, uh, which means a new top five. Um, I believe this is week seven. I think this is, yeah, this is either week seven or week eight. I'm already losing track. Yeah, hey, uh, well, me too. Uh, let me see. I think it, I think it is week. No, it's week eight. It's Sorry, week eight. Wow. I'm I'm all messed up. Um, just tell you how confused that we are. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, so new week. So that means uh, we got some games to pick. Um, I know that last week we did okay. I think I went seven. Yeah, you went seven and three. I went six and four. So way better than the previous week. And uh, definitely the the game that we did not see was Purdue upsetting Iowa. That was definitely a uh, the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah, I think Purdue is a team to watch now. Uh, I think we'll get into it later, but uh, I think they're they're a team to watch out for in the Big Ten. Um, but starting off the show, we're going to start off in the good old ACC, um, which means that uh, I'm going to go first, I guess. And that means we're going to be breaking Boy. down the first game, which is... The Clemson Tigers going on the road to Pittsburgh to play the Panthers. Um, it is a three-point, well, it's now a three-and-a-half, um, so that needs to be updated, but um, three-and-a-half points to uh, Pittsburgh. Um, so, which I don't think they're giving Pittsburgh enough credit to begin with in this game. Um, they're a good team, really good team. And uh, Clemson's shown some signs of weakness this year, obviously. Um, and they, they can get beat by some mediocre teams because I consider I consider the Syracuse to be a mediocre team that hung around in that game. Uh, so I expect uh, Pat Narduzzi and, and this, uh, this Pitt team to, to take full advantage of a lackluster Clemson team this year. So uh, I expect Pitt to come out on top big in this game. Uh, I'm gonna go with a 38 to 17 final for Pitt. 
Well, I definitely have Pitt making a statement, and I think I'm going to go along the same lines as you. I'm really impressed with this uh, Pitt attack, especially with Kenny Pickett. I know we talked about him uh, for several weeks now. It could be a Heisman candidate, uh, maybe even a frontrunner right now. Uh, Matt Corral is still up there. Uh, Bryce Young is still in the conversation. Uh, but Clemson, on the other hand, is still uh, in their offensive struggles. You know, they barely got a victory uh, in Syracuse. Uh, just some miscues uh, in that Syracuse game. Too much uh, for the Orange. And uh, Clemson was able to win another nail-biting victory in that one. Clemson's got the defense, I think, to contend with Pittsburgh in this one. But they just don't really have the offense if this gets to a shootout, which I don't think – this will get into a shootout. I think Pitt is really going to be up to the tax uh, to really stop uh, Clemson's offense. Uh, like I said, that's been struggling pretty much all season. So I'm going to go along the same lines as you. I have Pitt uh, get into the 30s in this one, but I'll go uh, 31 uh, to 14. Uh, Pitt taking this one. I think uh, this is this game. If Pittsburgh can win this one, the schedule really sets up nicely. And I think they can go 11 to one. And like you said, you know. A couple of weeks ago when we were doing the hot topics, whenever you were doing the conference title picks, you had Wake Forest and Pitt. And uh, if Pitt wins this one, uh, you're going to see uh, Pitt really a lock in Charlotte. All right, so we will move on to the next ACC game of the weekend. It is not an ACC uh, versus ACC matchup. It is actually number 16 Wake Forest go on the road to a 4-2 and two Army team that Really hanging around with a, with a Wisconsin team uh, on the road to Camp Randall, but Wisconsin was able to win that one. But going back to this matchup, the Demon Deacons are a three-point favorite in this one. Got a really high-powered offense in this one. I definitely think this is an interesting road matchup for a team like Wake Forest to go on the road uh, to Army. I think Army's uh, offense uh, might struggle at times against this Wake Forest defense but I think the key for Army in this one they got to limit the amount of time possession that Wake Forest has on the field because Wake Forest has shown in their previous games that they could put up 30 40 points a game and their offense can really score at will so I think uh, that's where Army is going to get lost in the mud uh, in this game uh, I think Wake Forest I'm going to take the over on the points but I think it's going to be close probably for at least three quarters, but this Wake Forest team is just way too talented uh, to lose a game like this. Uh, it's going to be a, a challenging road test, but I do think that uh, Wake Forest will win this one. I think in a lower-scoring game, Army is known for more of their defensive style play, but I think Wake Forest gets the job done. I'll go 27-14 Wake Forest. Yeah, um, I, I think this game has the potential for being a close game, and, and I think that's what Vegas sees in this. Um for me, I've taken a look at this Wake Forest team. I've kind of evaluated them through their first six game of the, games of the season. Um, really no tough test on their schedule um, except for a, a, a so-so performance on the road uh, against Syracuse, So, I, and which they did end up coming out on top in that game, which helped them kind of solidify their spot as of right now in the ACC championship game, I think. Um, and I think they'll continue to roll in this game. I, I think they will be a seven and O team after this weekend, uh, too good of a team. I think to lose a game like this, 
uh, pit. Uh, sorry, here, here I am talking about pit. Uh, All caught up on the pit train. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Army uh, is a really good team, and you know, two tough losses that they've uh, taken the last two weeks. They started the season out four and zero. So I mean, you're two tough losses on on the road for both of them, Wisconsin and Ball State. Uh, that Ball State team is nothing to 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 fall asleep on. They are a good team. Could win uh, the MAC. Yes, I think they're definitely a lock uh, to win the MAC. I, I don't see anybody else uh, being able to, to take that top spot in the MAC. But that's a separate thing outside of uh, into the group of five. But uh, no, Arby's a good team. They kind of give you uh, a pro style offense. I think uh, something something interesting for college football. Uh, that can throw some people off off guard, uh, and uh, I think Wake Forest will be ready for it. They're too good of a team, um, for for this Army team. So I'm gonna go this one kind of along the same lines as you, but uh, I I might go a little further. I see Wake Forest getting into the mid 30s. I'm I'm gonna go uh, I'll go 35 10 in this game uh, to to Wake Forest. And now we'll move on to the next conference, and that is the good old Big 12, uh, the conference of all-out scoring and no defense, uh, as I like to put it. They, they might as well just change the conference name to that because at this point, it's, there's no defense. But this year's been kind of interesting. Um, I've seen more defense this year than I've seen in about 20 years past combined, so I guess they might be moving in a different direction. <laughs> Um, but no, another, another game here, Kansas state on the road, going to Texas tech, uh, in a game that is marked as even in Vegas. They have the even syndrome in Vegas lately. Texas tech has also been an even one a couple of weeks ago. They were even versus their matchup in TCU. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of confused, um, as far as what's going on, but these are both two teams that one team that's had some tough games to open the season. The last three games have been struggle bus, and that is K-State. K-State has faced Oklahoma State on the road, uh, Oklahoma the next week at home, and then they faced, uh, or I'm sorry, Iowa State. Sorry, I can't talk tonight. Iowa State at home uh, this past weekend. So, I mean, they're they're struggling right now as far as tough matchups go. Um, looking like they might fall apart in the Big 12. And I think after this game, they're going to fall even further down because I think Texas Tech will win this game at home. They're too good of a team at home to lose a game like this to K-State. Don't get me wrong, K-State, I think, has one of the best uniforms in college football, like I've said <laughs> um, over and over again, and I will continue to do that. Um, but no, uh, no, I think Texas Tech will win this game uh, wholeheartedly. I think it's going to be a game of scoring. No, Neither team has any defense. Um, at all. So um, these are the kinds of universities that produce uh, just offensive players in the NFL. Um, Perfect representation of that is Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Um, So no, I expect this game to to go Texas Tech ways completely. Um, This game, I'm going to go 52 to 42 in this game. Yeah, we're talking big Big score. So I'm taking the over by about 90. Um, so, yeah, I think Texas I don't Texas even know what the over is, but I'm sure it's around that. The, over, the over is 60 and a half. No, oh, take that. Take that to the 
to the, the bank. <laughs> to the bank. All right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, last time we had Texas Tech on the show, uh, that was that TCU game, and TCU came in here and put up 52 points, so it was a 52-36 win for the Horned Frogs, and this Texas Tech team is still a really good football team at 5-2, and two, but two of their losses have been by blowouts, you know, going back to Texas where they gave up 70 points and then give up uh, 52 points to TCU, so it seems like whenever they win uh, a game, they don't give up 50 points, so... I have Texas Tech winning in this one, so Kansas State is not going to get 50 points, but they might get close to it. Skylar Thompson is a really good quarterback. Uh, like you said, Kansas State has had a really tough schedule. Uh, like you said, you know, Iowa State, Oklahoma, they're underrated 4-3 and three team. And uh, they had, I think they were one of these Big 12 schools, you know, coming into the preseason, you know, along with Iowa State that had a lot of expectations coming into the season, you know, especially with the experience at quarterback with Skylar Thompson. I think this one's going to be a back and forth uh, shootout. Um, I don't. I'm. I don't think it's going to get. I don't think the winner is going to get into the fifties, though. It wouldn't surprise me. But on my score prediction, I'll go uh, Texas Tech uh, forty-eight, K State forty-one. All right, so we will shift and uh, from another Big Twelve game. Uh, this is probably not going to be a high-scoring shootout uh, like Texas Tech. Uh, and Kansas State, because it has Oklahoma State and Iowa State, probably uh, two of the best defenses in the conference. Uh, Oklahoma State now in the top ten at number eight. No one really talking about them in the in the college football playoff uh, discussion. Uh, everyone just seems to be talking about Oklahoma in the Big Twelve. Uh, but Iowa State coming in this one is a seven point favorite in this one. And uh, I think Vegas knows a little bit something about past history, about Oklahoma's a top Oklahoma State team going on the road to Iowa State. You can go all the way back to 2011 when number two Oklahoma State was undefeated in that one. Pretty much a lock for the BCS title. And then uh, Iowa State team, I think they only had like six, seven wins at the time, and Iowa State upset them uh, in overtime. So Iowa State has has shown that they have had success against this Oklahoma State uh, team. And uh, Oklahoma State's offense uh, is a little bit concerning for me. I think if the offense can get it going, they're for sure going to be in the Big 12 championship. I think they definitely have the chance to do that uh, anyways. But if they got to get past Iowa State before they can look ahead, you know, before they play Texas and Oklahoma, Later in the schedule, but I just have Iowa State winning this one. They've already suffered a really two uh, tough defeats uh, already. You know, one to Iowa, uh, and then I can't really think of the other team who Baylor. they lost to Baylor. They lost to Baylor. So I mean, you can't really you know disown them for losing those two teams. You know, Iowa. Granted, they lost to Purdue. They're still a top ten team, but. Actually, I'm going to agree with Vegas. I have Iowa State continuing their success uh, with the Cowboys in this one. Like I said, Oklahoma State's uh, offense, uh, Spencer Sanders, hasn't really been the quarterback that I expected to be coming into this season. So I think Brock Purdy in this offense is going to get it done, but it will be a close game. I think it's going to be a little low-scoring game that we're more used to in the Big 12. Uh, I'll go Iowa State 24, Oklahoma State 21. Yeah, um, I think yes. There's a like you said. There, there's a lot of past matchups that are looked at in in a in a game like this, um, in an Oklahoma State team that seems to find themselves in a familiar area, 
every season somewhere in the top 25. Um, and they always have a trip of game, you know, around this time of year that, that really, you know, helps them decline. Let's say that. Um, and that team's that team that has their number, that's Iowa state. Um, and it's, it's a lot. I mean, if you look at it, Iowa state coming off of two back-to-back wins to two teams that are in subpar, um, in K state and, in Kansas, um, uh, better, I'm sorry, less than subpar Kansas. Um, <laughs> I'm giving them more credit than they deserve. Um, right. They don't need that just yet. No, but I mean, uh, you're looking at the last five games that Oklahoma state has played. I'm just going to map it out for you real quick at home against a very good Tulsa team. Tulsa is a good team. Yeah. Um, really good team. That's given a lot of, a lot of teams, some struggles this year and has gotten some good wins, uh, on the road at Boise state, huge win for them. One point victory on the road, come back home. You play ranked 25 K state at the time. K state was a good team. Yeah. They're still a good team. Still a 500 team. Um, who they won by 11 points in that game. You stay at home and play ranked 21 at the time, Baylor. Beat them by 10. And then you play last week. We're going on the road to Texas. And you beat Texas by 8 points. So, you're talking about an Oklahoma State team that the last three games they've played have been ranked opponents. And every single team that they've played is either 500 or better than 500. So... In my mind, there's no way that Oklahoma State can lose this football game. They're on a roll right now. Um, I ex- I expect them to be. Um, I know Stillwater is buzzing right now. Um, yeah. and, and I know we're they're looking forward to that Oklahoma State Oklahoma matchup. That's I for know, sure. and and I know they're worried about this weekend. Those true Oklahoma State fans. I mean, they see this game on the calendar and it's circled right there next to that Oklahoma game. Uh let me tell you what, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be a nail better. Like you said, um, in this game, I am going to probably go into the thirties, just a tad. I'm going to go 31, 27. I'm going to take Oklahoma state on the road. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned that Oklahoma state has already played Texas. Cause I was lost in the schedule. I f- completely forgot that Oklahoma state and Texas, uh, played this week. I remember that we picked <laughs> that game and that was a really good game. Uh, Texas was up. Uh, had a good lead, and then, you know, Oklahoma State showed that they're forced to be reckoned with and won that game. So, Absolutely. Now moving on to the next conference, and we go from big to big, and we're going to the Big Ten now, uh, where we have a Badgers team in Wisconsin that is on the lower side of the spectrum this year, um, on the road to face a team coming off of the biggest win that they've seen in a couple of years since a number two ranked Ohio state victory um, that I don't think they will ever forget, but uh, it is Wisconsin going on the road to face number 25 Purdue. Um, I want to get your thoughts first on this game, Tyler. Um, I want to know is Purdue the real deal in the big 10 right now, or did they just get lucky with a win uh, against Iowa? Can it, yeah, this game is going to answer that question if Purdue is the real deal or not. So I say this every time, you know, an 
a team that's not supposed to win and pulls off a big upset, you know, like Purdue did uh, at Kinnick. And it wasn't even close. They won that game 24-7. to They controlled that whole entire uh, uh, game. And the main question I have is, Purdue, can they answer the bell once again against a struggling Wisconsin team? Uh, they picked up a victory against Army, so they got a, a win under their belt. Their Vegas favors them. So, you know, Purdue, once again, even Vegas doesn't uh, even believe that you can – uh, pull off another big win against Wisconsin at home. Uh, but Wisconsin's offense, uh, even though they got the win against Army, even in that game, they they struggled in this one. I do think that Wisconsin's defense uh, will give uh, all that Purdue on the offensive side can handle. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, really good defenses uh, in this matchup. I think it's going to be really close, a nail-biting game coming down to the wire because, I mean, Purdue is coming off a very emotional victory. It might They might come out sluggish uh, in the first half, but I think in the end, uh, the Boilermakers uh, will just continue their winning ways. Uh, so I, I got Purdue winning this one 17-14 against Wisconsin. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with you there. I, I honestly think that Purdue was on the up-and-up and uh, you know, just I'm looking at their last last games to start the season. You know, I mean, big win against Iowa last week. Great win for them. Great win for that program. Um, they have some sort of magic sauce with two ranked second ranked teams in the country, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, you're you're looking at a team that put up a fight against Notre Dame. Uh, you know, lost by two touchdowns, but. It, it was a good fought game. Um, not Plummer's best performance. Uh, kind of got the yank after that game. And O'Connell, uh, you know, has really been their their go to as of late. Um, you know, finishing that Iowa game with three hundred seventy five yards passing. So, uh, you know, they the last. Well, I mean, we can go all the way back to week two. They haven't given up more than really well. Can't say that, but they really haven't given up more than four touchdowns um, all the way back till then. I mean, so they're a good defensive team, and they keep the game close, um, which is different from a Purdue team. We're not, you know, not really a defensive-minded team normally, uh, but a good team at that. So I expect them to play well in this game. I don't know how they can give Wisconsin a three and a half in this game. Uh, I would definitely give the three and a half to Purdue in this game, especially at home. Uh, it's going to be a sold-out crowd, I think, especially after last week. So uh, I expect Purdue to win this game. I'm going to go uh, 28-14 Purdue at home. All right, boiler up. Uh, we're both uh, riding that train this week. Uh, so we'll continue on with the next uh, Big Ten game uh, of the week. And this is a really uh, good one. Definitely a trap game for number 5 Ohio State. Traveling on the road to Indiana. And the Buckeyes are 21 21- Point favorite, a three-touchdown favorite against the Hoosiers. And honestly, this game last year was probably the game of the year in the Big Ten. It was a really back-and-forth battle. This was – Indiana gave all, um, you know, Ohio State can handle uh, on the road. Uh, Indiana, you know, Michael Penix, that was probably his best game of, of his career. Uh, still, uh, injury injuries have, you know, really plagued his 2021 uh, season so far. But – uh Ohio State uh, definitely has to be weary of this Indiana team, you know, from uh, last year's experience. But I just don't really see it this year from this Indiana team. 
Uh, like I said, like for a couple of other teams, you know, like Iowa State, Kansas State, who've had, you know, these preseason expectations that they really haven't matched yet. And who knows, you know, I've picked uh, Iowa to blow out Purdue and look what happens. I mean, anything can happen in any given weekend uh, on the Big Ten uh, but I just don't see it happening uh, with Ohio State of how they've been looking these past couple of weeks. C.J. Stroud is really hitting his stride with the offense. Uh, you know, Chris Olave is starting to become the receiver uh, in that uh, number one wide receiver. I mean, he was in the past couple of years, but he's becoming the dude this year. So I have Ohio State honestly making a statement uh, in this one. I think they'll be able to score on Indiana. I just don't think Indiana has the offense this year to really contend with them like they did last year. So I have Ohio State winning this one 38-10. Yeah, I think the story in this game is just the two teams and their past and where they are now. Um, Right now, Ohio State's riding a four-game winning streak uh, coming off of a rough home appearance against Oregon and, you know, for the second game of the season, um, really blowing the last four teams out. Um, and those last four teams are not very good teams. I don't believe, um, they've kind of, we've kind of seen them fall apart, um, as teams go this year, but on the other side, uh, Indiana, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to go back through their schedule, um, since week two, the last five games, three of them have been against top ten opponents in the country. Um, you know, you, you faced a, a Cincinnati team uh, at home who was a really good team, and you put up a decent fight against them, held the lead going into halftime, and you lose by two touchdowns in the second half. That's just coaching at that point. Um, you lose a 24 to nothing game in State College to Penn State. Uh, your first time you've been shut out since... 2000 um so i mean that's that's a abysmal game and a tough place to play um in a penn state team who was looking for a lot of revenge because of last season um and then you lose a five-point game to to michigan state at home uh, a good michigan state team that you held the 20 points um you put up 15 i mean a game that you should have won had your quarterback not thrown an interception in the first half um, you win that game in Michigan State is not there in the top ten anymore. So, um, you know, it, it's situational football at, at this point for for Indiana. Uh, th- their their coaching staff needs to take control of what is going on there, um, or this game will get away quick for them, and it will be a twenty one point spread. Uh, if Indiana wants to win this game, they need to play all out defense. Uh, secondary needs to lock down and be a magnet on the Ohio State wide receivers. Um, I think this is the year of Ohio State's tight ends. Um, They are different than they have been before. Um, I think this year is the year that Ryan Day is trying to get them involved, Uh, and it's showing that that they're able to, uh, to use the tight end not only for blocking but for running decent routes and getting first downs and getting touchdowns. Um, you see, I, I think C.J. Stroud's getting a little too much credit right now for what's going on in Ohio State. Um, I, I can't shy away from what Henderson is doing for them out of the backfield uh, early on in this the season with you know people that have 
fallen apart from this team that either no longer a part of this team or out for the season with injuries. Henderson has stepped up big time um, for them. If it's not for them, I, I don't see them uh, being where they are right now. Uh, Indiana, I, I don't think they're going to have Michael Penix Jr. back for this game either. Um, I think he's going to be out for this one as well. Um, and honestly, I think that's actually a good thing for Indiana. Uh, Michael Penix has not been himself this year, like you said. Um, and I don't think he's going to make a return, uh, to this game or this season, even if he does, I'd be surprised. Um, I'm going to go with Ohio state in this game. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I don't know how I want to go with this, but, uh, I'll go 35-17 Ohio State. So moving on to our next conference, and we're going out west. We're going to take a little plane trip out there. Oh, uh, yes. And we're going to see the number 10 Oregon Ducks who are still barely holding on by a thread at the number 10 spot. I don't know how, I don't know what they're thinking, but they're number 10. Um against uh UCLA and the Bruins who man, they don't look like the UCLA Bruins from the past. Um and they were a one-point favorite at home. So, man, let me tell you what, Vegas is licking their chops right now. Um, And I know UCLA is too. So, uh, no, I want to ask you first, um, what's what's the key for Oregon staying where they are? I mean, what's the recipe that keeps them away from disaster in this game? Um, I think the offense has to do better. I mean – they only scored 24 points against a one and five Cal team. I think, uh, you know, honestly, whatever they did uh, against Ohio State, uh, they need to do the same thing against uh, UCLA. I think this offense uh, really carries uh, how good this Oregon team could be because their defense uh, is good enough, uh, you know, to lift them, you know, to still get them to the Pac 12 championship and still. Uh, squeak into the college football playoff. They got the best defensive player in the nation, Kayvon Thibodeau. Probably going to be the number one overall pick. Um, whether, you know, whoever's the number one pick in the NFL, whatever team uh, is probably going to get him. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, UCLA, uh, really up and down uh, season. A lot of big wins and then some iffy losses uh, in between. Uh, but Chip Kelly uh, is going to be looking uh, to get a win against his uh, former team, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, I do think uh, that this could get into a high-score shootout. Uh, really two good uh, quarterbacks with Anthony Brown, Oregon, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, at UCLA. Uh, probably going to see them uh, in the NFL uh, uh, someday. But uh, I have uh, UCLA uh, one in this one. I think Oregon's just been too inconsistent for me to pick them. And seems like every time I, I picked them to – to win, they win by either like a field goal or a touchdown. If I don't pick them to win, they beat Ohio State or get a big win uh, on the road. But no, I think that UCLA uh, ultimately will win this one. It will be close, uh, like the point spread says. And this is a two thirty game. I mean, we don't see really many uh, Pac twelve uh, 
teams play during the day, you know, on the Central and East Coast. So this is going to be interesting to finally watch a Pac-12 game uh, this season. But I got to go UCLA. I'll go uh, 31-28 Bruins. Yeah, uh, I think this game is a game um, that if Mario Cristobal and the the Oregon Ducks don't show up uh, like they did in Columbus against the Buckeyes, I I think that this this season will get away from them big time, uh, and they will they will they will not make it, and they will not win the Pac-12. Um, if they lose this game, I, I think there is no chance that they win the Pac-12 if they lose this game. Is that they're a two loss team in the conference? I I don't see a two loss team in the conference winning the Pac-12. Um, if UCLA wins this game. Uh, I think they're a write-in for for a Pac-12 championship game. I honestly think they could they could play in the Pac-12 championship. Um, I, I I don't know if Anthony Brown is ready. I don't know if he was ready for this season. And I want to say he looks lost in the backfield to me. Just kind of is very. Uh, indecisive in what he wants to do with the football and it's spelled disaster this, this season for them and in, in the amount of turnovers that they've had and the amount of conversions that they're just not able to get i mean from a ucl or sorry from an oregon team that and we used to be able to see marcus Mariota. they were going forward on the fourth down they were converting big plays downfield it's not the same oregon team anymore um for sure so i i and uh and well and even recently i mean you had justin herbert who was absolutely outstanding for them. Uh, so UCLA has the depth, has the quarterback play. I think their quarterback is so underrated. He's an excellent player, senior, um, you know, looking looking at a, a possible NFL job uh, in the future. Uh, with a one-point spread in this game like this, it will be close. I'm going to take UCLA at home. I will. Um, and it's going to be 33-31 for me uh, in this game. All right, a wacky score. I like to see it. <laughs> All right, on to the next uh, Pac-12 game uh, on this week's slate is Utah at Oregon State. Utah coming in at a three-point favorite. And, man, Utah has got to be the team of the week for me uh, this past week uh, in the Pac-12. I know you picked them to upset Arizona State. And not only did they upset Arizona State, they took them to the cleaners. Like, it was not even close from start <laughs> to finish. It was all Utah. It was really surprising to me. I honestly stayed up to watch that game because I wanted to see Arizona State in action. And, of course, the one time I see Arizona State in action, they don't – their offense uh, and Jane Daniels, uh, you know, couldn't do anything. But, yeah, it was a tough environment. You know, go on the road to hostile environment in Utah. It's never easy to play at a place like that, especially with the defense. You know, Kyle Whittenham is the defensive-minded coach. And uh, Utah's defense was definitely – uh, the key in that game. But going forward to this one, they got to do it again. Uh, you got to head on the road and to face the Beavers of Oregon State. And last time we had the Beavers, we both picked them and they did not show up in Pullman against Washington State. So who knows what Oregon State team is going to show up. Uh, but I'm not going to make the same mistake that I did uh, last weekend. I'm going to pick Utah. Uh, in this matchup, I, I do think this is going to be a close game just because it's on the road. Oregon State definitely has offensive talent, but the Utah defense is just 
one of the best uh, defenses in, in the Pac-12 and has been in the nation for a couple of years, ever since Winham has been on that staff. So I'll go Utah uh, 28 uh, to – I'll say 28 to 20 against Oregon State. Yeah, uh, like you said, uh, Oregon State uh, not not being there, showing well, they, you know, showing their true colors. I mean, last week, you know, kind of a, a rough one uh, against Washington, Washington State. Um, and you know, this Utah team, um, I've had the pleasure of watching them most nights, falling asleep at night. <laughs> um, yes, we're back to the nightly. Pac-12 games. Oh, yes. This is the 9-30 one. 9-30 game. My goodness gracious. (laughs) Get some coffee for this one. No, it's a 6-30 game. Oh, 6-30? Oh. 6-30. Yeah. um, So I I will actually be able to watch this game for once in my life. Unless Um, there's another good game, I'll probably be watching this. Yeah, I I like watching Utah. Actually, Utah's... uh, They don't feel like a Pac-12 team when you watch them. Um, yeah, very good, good, logo, good uniforms, you know, good yeah. overall chemistry. Yeah, I mean, um, and I've had the pleasure of watching uh, a tr- their transfer quarterback, Jake Bentley, at South Alabama now, but uh, their current quarterback right now uh, is, is something to watch. Definitely has an arm and, and doesn't throw as much. Uh, this is a Utah Utah team. I said Utah State, um, but Utah team that – um, Yeah, close enough. Um. I mean, aren't they like right next to each other, anyways? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. There ain't much out there in Utah. <laughs> I'm sorry for those people listening in Utah that are listening to our show. Don't get offended. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I Utah, they run the ball a lot more this year than I've seen in the past. Um, and and I like I like seeing a, a team that can do both. And in the Pac-12, that's a rarity for a team to be running the ball that much. Um. Now, I'm going to take Utah in this game. Uh, I don't think Oregon State's there yet for me. A 4-2 team off to a good start to the season, uh, which is great for them. But I think Utah definitely holds on in this one on the road. Uh, I'm going to go... uh, Man, I mean, I'm going to probably go... I'm going to go 35-28 in this one, uh, and I'll take Utah's. And now we're going to shift over to the big, bad old SEC down in the south. Um, well, it's it's an LSU Tiger team um, that I don't know who they are. One week they go to Narnia and the next week they come back. Um, <laughs> going on the road to face the Ole Miss Rebels in Oxford. Um, a team that looks like they're on the verge of death every weekend and somehow survive off of life support um, as of late. Or on the verge of getting hidden with a golf ball. Yes, or on the verge of getting... It wasn't even a pro... It wasn't even a Pro V1. I mean, a range ball? It was Come a on. Toddlers, I think No, it was, so, yeah, it no, was, it was a range, range ball. It was, it was a, a, ball? Wait, mm. a yellow range ball. And then there was I mean, a yellow... If there's a, like a mustard yeah, bottle on the dude, field. Like, if you're going to throw good quality stuff out there, then... Come on, what you're just wasting more money. You already paid three hundred dollars to sit at the game. I mean, shoot. But no, I, I will speak on one thing on that game since we brought it up. Uh <laughs> that's that's atrocious coming from a Tennessee fan base. That's ridiculous. Well I completely... I'm glad they got fined because I mean if teams get fined for you know storming the field, like 
I don't get like those fines. Uh, you know, I get like you know fans. You know, storming on the field could be dangerous. But I mean, this instance was just uh, ridiculous. Yeah, and, and that's they still had a chance to win. They had three timeouts. Right. Yeah, and you're looking at a team. They had a chance to convert, and I don't know what the heck was going through their quarterback. I don't know. I guess running out of bounds. You got loss of time. It seems just, like in like a Madden, you know, where you get the 10 second runoff and the game ends. No, it looks like he skipped calculus class. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I I think uh, th- that's just a bad image for Tennessee, and we'll mm-hmm. get into Tennessee in a minute on their game this weekend. Uh, but man, that's tough to bounce back from, and, and that is that's that's devastating as a university to see that happen. I mean, I know that a quarter of a million dollars isn't very much to them, anyways. Um, so they're not losing much except their dignity for for last week. Uh, but back to this game, LSU on the road to Oxford to face Ole Miss, who's number twelve in the country right now with their one loss uh, to the hands of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, I. I don't know what to make of this game because last week LSU in Florida was a great game, uh, high-scoring game, windy game, interesting game. Weather was not Southern Louisiana weather. Not a cold um, coming in. Yeah, a little strange. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss is a different team at home. They really are, um, and I think you can agree with me that they're they're a different team at home, and it's like night and day. Um and LSU on the road this year, I don't know where they are. Um, not really many road tests this season yet. Um, but man, I, it's hard for me to pick against Ole Miss at home in this one. I, I've got to take Ole Miss. Uh, man, I don't even know what I'm going to do for a score in this one. Do <laughs> uh, high. Yeah, I'm thinking. I don't. I don't remember what the. Uh, What's the what's the over under in this game? Probably a lot. I mean, last year's game was fifty three to forty eight in favor of LSU. Yeah, I th- the over under in this game is seventy six point five points. Whoa! Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. I would take it. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna probably go this one. Uh, I'm gonna go forty two thirty five, and I'm gonna take Ole Miss. All right, rolling. To- yeah, I definitely agree with you. I really don't know. Uh, you know, how this game uh, can turn out. You know, like you said, LSU one week gets blown out on the road by a good Kentucky team, and then next week, you know, they put up 49 points, and Ty Davis-Price uh, breaks the school record and runs for 287 rushing yards after, you know, all season LSU hasn't been able to run the ball uh, or for darn. The line has really been abysmal. But, you know, the last two games, you know, even the Kentucky loss, LSU was able to run the ball, so I – that is definitely a good sign uh, if you're an LSU fan uh, going into this Ole Miss game. you got to be able uh, to do both against uh, this Ole Miss defense. I mean, Ole Miss's defense is not the greatest. Neither is LSU's. This is, you know, going to be a game of offense. You know, you got Max Johnson versus Matt Corral. I'm expecting Matt Corral to start in this one. Uh, he's a little bit banged up, so if he doesn't start, probably John Ross Plumley. But even Plumley being the quarterback, still going to put up a lot of points just because uh, he's a really – Fast and talented quarterback, uh, but uh, seems like every week uh, I go with upset. So this is going to be my upset pick of the week. I'm going to go with LSU. I think you know with the Ed Orgeron news, you know, I think the teams you know going to want him to go out on a high note uh, before uh, he exits uh, after uh, this season ends. Uh, 
but I, I'm going to go with the Tigers in this one. It's going to be close. Uh, I know Ole Miss is pretty much a double-digit favorite. You know, nine and a half, you can pretty much round up. Uh, but I have the Tigers uh, pulling off this one, 45-41 to 41 against the Rebels. All right, so we'll go on to the next game. And like we were just telling you about the Tennessee faithful, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, their fans, they probably won't even have to trash, uh, you know, Brian Denny's stadium this one. As you can they see, Alabama. Show up. <laughs> yeah, they probably not even show up because Alabama is a 25-point favorite uh, in this one. They're now back in the top four after Purdue beat Iowa. Uh, I really don't think this one's going to be close. It's a rivalry. This isn't even a rivalry, you know, the past 10 years. You know, the, the last close game was in 2015, 19-14. Alabama won that one. That's whenever Joshua Dobbs was the quarterback. And then, you know, Terrence Cody, you know, blocking uh, the game-winning field goal that Tennessee uh, could have had. Uh, but seems like Alabama just has Tennessee number in this one. You know, Tennessee is up, is, is you know, is a program up on the rise, you know, with their new – Coach and Josh Heupel, a really good offensive tack, uh, but the defense uh, just won't be able to stop Alabama and, and Bryce Young. They're going to be able to do whatever they want. Uh, honestly, uh, I don't know if I should go against the spread uh, in Vegas in this one. 25 points is a lot. You know, Tennessee is still a talented program, but I mean, Alabama is just really been controlling this series. So I got to go uh, Alabama. I'm going to go 42 to 28 in favor of the time. Yeah. I'm not going to spend too much time on this game uh, game that can be pretty much solved pretty quickly. Uh, Alabama's <laughs> going to score 21 points off of turnovers in this game because Tennessee is going to be rattled um, and they're just not ready for it. Um, and that showed last week, uh, Alabama too good of a team right now uh show that they can be beat though which is a good sign for some teams in the sec and some good a good sign for a lot of teams around the country that are close to that top four spot hanging around um it is time for alabama to get out of the hammock it is time for them to wake up um and they, they will win this game so uh, it's i'm gonna go 42 17 i'll keep it at that all right quick and to the point and with that that does it for our uh 10 games that we have picked this season so for not this season uh for the week uh, but we will see uh our records shape up you know if we can continue in the seven and three and six and four hopefully we can just keep over 500 and not have to see you know two and two and eight and four and six you had to bring ever. it up I mean, I had to. I had to. I just don't want to see it. So uh, you're just mad because be- you're just mad because it beat you last week because of the Utah game. <laughs> well, my Sun Devils didn't show up, so uh, just another week. But uh, going into our uh, honestly, this is honestly my favorite segment uh, of the of our two shows uh, that we do is the are the top five segment. And the top five gets a little spicy in this one. You know, with the Coach O news, uh, why not talk about more coaches on the hot seat? Obviously, Coach O is not on the hot seat anymore as he is going to be departing after this season. So, But there are still uh, five coaches uh, that we see in our eyes that uh, need to be on the lookout and, you know, some of these athletic departments uh, might be coming their way for their buyout. So let's get it started with number five. And you're going to be starting with a Big Ten coach. Yeah, I'm going to start with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Uh, Khaki. 
Look, a guy that, yeah, well, yeah, well, I'm not going to get into that. Um, long past with the khakis. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I just don't think that he was what Michigan needed. Uh, right out of the gate, I, I never thought that he was what Michigan needed. And, and I know Michigan's playing all right this season, but at the end of the day, Michigan always has a three-loss season or worse. It's every year. Um, and it's in, you know, you and I had this discussion the other day that it looks like it might turn out like that again if they don't step on the gas because they're winning games by the hair of their chinny chin chin. Um, but I, I, I don't know if his job is safe. I don't know if Michigan really cares because I think they're raking in the dough. If I was Michigan's athletic department, he would be sitting on my desk every day. Uh, and I would be telling him that your days are numbered, um, personally, but he just doesn't seem like the right fit from day one at Michigan for me, uh, too lax. I mean, he's just like, you might as well get him a couch and a TV and a, and a, <laughs> and a coffee as he sits there. Uh, it just, he's just not what, what that program needs. Uh, and, and if his job does decide to come open there will be a lot of people begging for that position at michigan because mm-hmm. they will, might be able to do something with that program that he's just not able to do yeah michigan you know still has you know michigan state they'll have them uh you know in next weekend's uh slate in, in week nine and you still got penn state and ohio state uh what i have uh to question you is uh what if he goes let's say two and one in that stretch or what does he have to do you know in this season you know to really stay off the hot seat does he have to go like nine and three ten and two or uh i don't know if it's that but i i, I just think they need big statement wins and they just haven't right. gotten that uh harbaugh Especially has he's yeah, yeah harbaugh has not beat the buckeyes yet um, terrible record against Penn State as well. Uh, for him to keep his job, for me, he's got to have a win over Ohio State, and he's got to yeah. have a win at Penn State, and he's yet to have that. Um, and I don't think he's going to have that. Yeah. And for uh, to start off uh, my top five list, I'm going to go to the SEC, and this is a name that I think is going to be uh, starting to come up uh, on the list. You know, especially after the loss to LSU this past weekend. That is the Florida Gators head coach, uh, Dan Mullen. Uh, you know, Todd Grantham uh, and the defensive coordinator the past, you know, several years, that defense has not been the same defense, you know, that, you know, Florida, you know, going back to the Urban Meyer years, uh, you know, that defense was always uh, one of the best in SEC. Now it's just average at best. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, Dan Mullen's not going to lose his job uh, this season. I know that Florida is 4-3, and three, and, you know, they have a bye this week, and, you know, coming next week is Georgia and Jacksonville, so it's not looking too pretty, so it's looking like a 4-4 four and four, uh, eight-game stretch, and I think uh, Dan Mullen's hot seat is just starting to heat up, and I think uh, Next season, I believe, is the season that's really going to make or break Mullen's uh, future at Florida. I think uh, the mark is going to be 10-2, and 9-3. and three. Anything lower, it, he's probably going to be gone. So, Dan Mullen is, is just entering uh, my hot seat, and that's why he's number five. 
All right, so we will move on to the top four, and you have another SEC coach uh, on the list, and I also have another Big Ten coach as well. Yeah, we're going to flip-flop spots here, but yep. yeah, uh, I'm going to head over to the SEC uh, in a team, Mississippi State, and the Bulldogs led by a head coach, Mike Leach. Um, listen, great head coach out west, um, you know, a, a great guy personally. Um, you can say that for a lot about a lot of head coaches, but I, he was brought to Mississippi state to turn that program around because the one person that you just got done talking about was the previous coach, uh, long before. And then you had, you know, your in-betweener, uh, with, with Moorhead, um, who really just didn't do much at all. Um, yeah. that's why he ended up losing that job. Uh, and if, and if Mike Leach isn't careful, he's going to lose this job too. Um, you know that, that that's a tough job at Mississippi State. You're competing against a lot of big teams um, for some recruits. I mean, you're you're battling it out with Mississippi, or sorry, with uh, Alabama for recruits. And let me tell you what, that's a close drive there between Starkville and Tuscaloosa, um, and it's very convincing for a lot of guys to go over there to Tuscaloosa and sign that paper with Alabama um, instead of Mike Leach at Mississippi State, um, and it and it shows on the field. I think. Um, look, he's got to step up recruiting there. First of all, um, you need better, better quarterback play there. Uh, you, you can't tell me that you can't get a decent quarterback at Mississippi state in today's day and age. You can't tell me that. And you can't tell me you can't get decent receivers and a good running back. Uh, and that's Mississippi state survived off of good quarterback play and good running back play. Um, and, and that's just not what I see anymore from them. Uh, a mediocre team I see from them, just not the old Mississippi State team that I was used to seeing. Yeah, I definitely agree uh, with all your points there. And like I said, I am going to go to the Big Ten coach, and that is going to be Wisconsin's uh, Paul Chris. And now the past couple, two seasons have uh, not really been good uh, for Chris. You know, I mean, COVID season, I mean, that, I mean that's just an outlier on that one. It was just a a really bizarre year, uh, but just going to this season, Wisconsin really had a lot of uh, preseason expectations uh, going into this one. And Chris, these past uh, several years, the Wisconsin offense has just been lackluster at best, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. You know, Wisconsin uh, is really known uh, for their for their defense, uh, but Graham Mertz, uh, the freshman quarterback last year, not the sophomore quarterback uh, this year, doesn't look like uh, the quarterback, uh, you know, that Chris uh, had in mind. You know, he hasn't really lived up uh, to his billing. So, uh, you know, Chris has had, uh, you know, several Big Ten, uh, you know, championship experiences, you know, several undefeated seasons, you know, 10-2, and 11-1 seasons. But, you know, like I said, the past couple couple of years just haven't lived up to the Wisconsin uh, expectations. And uh, I don't know, you know, the same – thing with Mullen you know he's three and three uh this year I think it has to you know like completely haywire for Chris uh for Wisconsin to pull the trigger uh on uh Chris his job so I think he survives at least uh one more year but like Mullen uh Chris uh you know next year that might be uh, another make or break season for him yeah um you know I think people have the view right now especially in Madison of that that head coaching job in with Wisconsin is untouchable um it, it's basically a lockdown 
job. Um, and I think Chris is a little too comfortable. Um, as I get to my third and it's going to be him. Hey, um, there he is. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's just a little bit too comfortable. I think in that position, um, when big games come around, just they ain't there. Uh, I, I don't think that he is, uh, is the right fit anymore for Wisconsin. They run that pro style offense. Look, if you're going to run that pro style offense, get some people that can play a pro style football game. You just ain't got it. I mean, you just don't have the talent to do it. So you got to go back to the drawing board. And if you're going to be stubborn, like Paul Chris, I know he is. He's stubborn. Um, you're just not going to win football games, and that's that's what we've seen so far. I'm sorry, but you can't play a pro style offense against Notre Dame. In a neutral site game at Soldier Field. You're going to get beat. And you did. You got screwed into the ground. You know. And, and that's embarrassing. I mean. That's just. No no other words. It's embarrassing. I mean. Yeah. For that Wisconsin. You know. Fan base. That is embarrassing. One word. Um, you know. He just got a pay raise. Before the season. And now he's north of $500 million. Or five. Sorry. $5 million. He's north of $5 million in a salary now. Now, you got to win some games, buddy. Because you just got a huge pay raise. And you're sitting over here slacking off. and You can't even produce a 500 season. Come on. I mean, you know, it's Wisconsin. Who else are you battling with for recruits in the state of Wisconsin? Nobody. So uh, he's got to step it up or he's going to be without a job, I think. Well, I totally agree with you. You know, Wisconsin, you know, hasn't shown up uh, in the big games uh, in this season. That can either win or lose uh, your job uh, at a program uh, like Wisconsin. Because, you know, they got the recruiting, you know, to be a big powerhouse. You know, Chris has shown that, you know, like I said, with, you know, multiple appearances in the Big Ten Championship, uh, but zero playoff appearances uh, for the Badgers. Uh, for starting off my top three, I'm going to go to the ACC, and this is going to be starting a stretch uh, of ACC coaches, and this is going to be Syracuse's Dino Babers. Now, I know people are going to be like, well, Syracuse doesn't care about football. They're a basketball school. Well, yeah, they do. I mean, Syracuse, you know, you know, has pulled off a couple of, of upsets against Clemson. Honestly, they should have pulled off upset against uh, Clemson this past Friday night, but, you know I mean? The one, just too many questionable calls, uh, you know, in game-winning situations. You know, in the Clemson game, it was a fourth and one. They decided to kick a 51-yard field goal. Kicker ultimately uh, missed it. I mean, in situations like that, you got to go for the win. You can't really go for the tie. I mean, looking at Syracuse's schedule uh, right now, they're three and four. They got VT, Boston College, Louisville, NC State, and Pittsburgh. Now, if you're a Syracuse fan – how confident are you that you find even one win on that schedule? Because already you lost to a Rutgers team that, you know, had a lot of hype. And, I mean, starting to, you know, look like the old Rutgers uh, that we're used to seeing. Just not a really good football team right now. They're 3-4 and four, uh, in the Big Ten. So, I think that uh, Dino Babers, uh, unlike Chris and Mullen, uh, I think uh, – you know, like I said, I 
struggling to find a win on this, so that's going to be three and nine. So I I have Babers uh, uh, heading out the door uh, for Syracuse. All right, so we will go to the top two, uh, and it, it's pretty clear who the top two, uh, you know, hot seat uh, candidates, uh, both in the ACC and both in the state of Florida. So take it away with Mike Norvell and Florida State. Yeah, um, you know, I think to mention there, um, Florida State's kind of they're they're coming back with recruiting. I don't I don't want to say they're there yet with recruiting, but they're they're coming back. Um, you know, with people like Mackenzie Milton transferring in, um, you know, a good story there with him, but you know, at the end of the day, he's, they got to win games. I mean, 0-4, you're just sorry, but that ain't going to cut it, especially from a, a program like Florida State. Um, you know, took over for, from, you know, Willie Taggart. I, I just... He got a six-year contract, 2019. This was a six-year contract for, uh, I believe it was $26.5 million. Um, Man, let me tell you what. If, it, if you're going to give a guy $26.5 million, he's got to win some football games or get mm. rid of them. I mean, my goodness. That's a nightmare there um, in Florida State. Um it's it's going to take a lot of build back, and it's going to be years of build back. I think uh, it, it's going to be several years uh, before we see a Florida State team back above five hundred and in a bowl game. Yeah, this program hasn't been the same since uh, Jimbo Fisher's been the coach. You know, the last time you know that you know they hit even sniff you know the national championship, the college football playoff was uh, back when Jameis Winston. Uh, was a quarterback uh, back in 2015. That was their last uh, playoff appearance. You know, like you said, 0-4 to start the season. And, you know, their first game against Notre Dame, I really had hope that this is going to be, you know, even in the loss, you know, they really put it to the fire. And Irish is a really close game back and forth, 41-38. Notre Dame ended up winning that one. And then you come back the next week and lose to a Jacksonville State team on – on a Hail Mary play that your defense doesn't know what the hell they're doing. It's just like, I know Mike Norvell has had success, you know, at Memphis, but this isn't Memphis. This is Florida state. You know, I think Florida state, you know, whenever they're a good program, you know, it makes not only the ACC better, but the whole college football landscape better. I mean, they're just a really historic program, you know, going back all the way back to whenever Bobby Bowden uh, was head coach, but, I think it's simple. Uh, Norvell, you know, really needs to go. And I'm just, you know, sick of, you know, seeing, you know, Florida State going from one coach to another. You know, they have all the resources to go after a big name. And I definitely think that uh, someone, you know, who's had success at another, you know, Power 5 school, uh, you know, Willie Taggart, you know, Mike Norvell, they just need to stop, you know, with these group of five fires and get someone who's had experience at a Power 5 program. All right, so we will go from uh, one Florida school to the next, and, and it's their rival is the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, so take it away with Manny Diaz uh, at the U. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Miami anymore. Um, I, I don't know if I wish to know what's going to happen in Miami anymore. <laughs> um, it's like shaking a magic eight ball, I think. Um, no, I think uh, 
Manny Diaz needs to be fired as of uh, effective immediately. Um, weeks ago. Well, yeah, weeks ago. I mean, you know, he should be fired after week one for all I care. Uh, just absolute mistake. Um, and, and just, uh, just, I mean, there, the athletic administration is underwater right now with weights on with, with his, with him right now. Um, it just, uh, a program like Miami doesn't need to be hanging around the, uh, two win mark halfway through the season. No. Two and four. But here we are talking about another ACC team. I mean, back to back, the I mean, top two guys. Three ACC teams of mine. Yeah. I mean, but two ACC coaches that are in the top of the totem pole right now, where they either win a game or they're gone, in my opinion. Win a football game. I mean, you know. I don't know why, um, point blank, I don't know why Miami hired Manny Diaz in the first place. Um, just not a good hire, I don't think. Um, recruiting's not there. Um, I see more kids going to UCF and USF uh, over over Miami and Florida State right now. Um, and you know what? The sad part is, is it used to be the opposite. It really did. Everyone it used to be the, to go to Miami. Everybody wanted to go to Miami. Everybody wanted to go to Florida State. Those were the programs. I mean, and now it's man, it, nobody wants anything to do with them anymore. Um, and, and it's going to take a head coaching change. And Miami just—I uh, don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's a relationship thing. I mean, you know. But at the end of the day, you got to win football games. And, and this goes for every coach. I've said this on every single coach in the top five. You got to win football games. That's your job. Um, you know, that's your, your nine to five job more than that. But, uh, you know, if you ain't, you, if you ain't making winning games, then you don't need to be making that kind of money. Sorry. But, you know, side opinion, I don't think these coaches should be making this kind of money anyways. Um, you know, doing this but uh yeah he, he needs to be gone effective immediately i don't know your thoughts on it I'm, I'm sure you're close to agreeing with me yeah i mean miami just hasn't been the same program i mean mark rick uh did a good job of you, of, you know giving you know fans a couple of years uh you know the old miami but this right now i think you know like the old alums you know like ed reeds um, all those, uh, you know, great, uh, players, you know, you know, in the nineties, you know, they're really out in two thousands, you know, after, I think the last, you know, formable head coach that Miami had was Larry Coker. And after that, it was just, you know, head coach, head coach, pretty much head coach, head coach out the season, you know, blowout, blowout, loss, loss, losing to a team that we shouldn't, uh, it's just unacceptable, you know, for a program, uh, like Miami, and I think, uh, you know, whenever they got rid of the Orange Bowl uh, stadium, that's when the program uh, really started to flutter. Now they play, you know, probably like they get like 5,000, 10,000 fans at, you know, the Hard Rock Stadium because, um, you know, fans, students uh, have to travel, you know, 30 minutes out of their way to 
watch up. They're two and four Miami Hurricanes. You know, put on a turnover chain like that's going to do anything great. Swagger like, ooh, we got a, a turnover while getting beat by, you know, I know like Michigan State's a, a good team, but, you know, getting beat by Michigan State and barely beating App State, uh, you know, this season. So I'm sure all the alums, you know, are really fed up. And like you said, uh, Manny Diaz, I don't know why Miami hired in this one. I guess Affleck administration doesn't really care about their football program anymore because, I mean, if they did, they would have got rid of this guy, you know, a couple of weeks ago. You know, when they got blown off the doors against Alabama, lost against Michigan State, barely won against Appalachian State. Not, I get, you know, those teams are, you know, starting to, you know, flourish uh, in their seasons. But, yeah, just really depressing to see, you know, a Miami program. And, you know, I watched, you know, the U documentaries that ESPN put up, you know, of the glory days of Miami. And, you know, as a college football fan, I love to see that, you know, Miami had all the swagger back then, and that swagger is just gone, uh, you know, these past, you know, pretty much decade. You know, Miami has been relevant, you know, since their last, you know, national title appearance when they played Ohio State on that controversial call. They ended up uh, Ohio State winning that one. But, yeah, just a dumpster fire that's happened in, in the University of Miami, and hopefully that flag administration uh, cares enough uh, to make a change and uh, bring back the old Miami. Well, guys, uh, that's going to conclude our show this evening. Uh, you know, I think the main takeaway is uh, uh, we we have some discrepancies as far as head coaching jobs go, as far as college football goes. And uh, I think they need to be answered first and foremost for these programs um, because I think it goes along past this season um, of college football. But uh, for this season of college football and this week, this week eight of college football, uh, we have made our picks. Those are going to be the ones that we hope will bring home a W this weekend. Um, And hopefully we are above 500, like you said. That would be very nice to continue. That would Um, be. Yes. uh, Or we might get fired. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we might have to get fired. I don't know. Um, We might be on the hot seat. Yeah, my producer might put us on the hot seat. Um. But, uh, no, if you guys do want to follow our social media pages, uh, they are on Twitter and Instagram. That is CFB underscore coast to coast. That's CFB underscore the number two coast. Uh, if you guys, uh, do have any suggestions as far as what we should cover in the future. And if you do have any other comments about our coaching decisions that we chose, uh, in this episode or game predictions, uh, shoot us a message on there. Uh, you can always find us on there and we will respond to you guys. Uh, pretty quickly on there. Uh, but we will see you guys on uh, next week's episode. And uh, thanks for joining me, Tyler. And we will see you guys for Week 8 Recap. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. 
And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.